Welcome everybody to a second evening of Wednesday Night Football. I've got Derek Klassen as my guest this week. And the goal of this podcast, if you missed last week with Ollie Connolly, is I'm just trying to bring on uh, smart people to talk about dumb football, I guess, would be the tagline. The Bears were a tempting choice for the worst game of the week this week, but JT O'Sullivan made a 90-minute YouTube video about them, and Ben Solak wrote an article. It's like, all eyes are... We're not going to top that, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I like... <laughs> bad can mean a lot of things and i try to go with like forgettable so i chose a way more boring kind of bad to talk about and that's the raiders versus the bills that is our big game to discuss this week and the first thing i want to ask you is uh where does robert spillane rank among raiders defenders oh my jesus man i don't even the the thing with the raiders defenders is it's like you've got max crosby who is awesome Nate Hobbs is like okay, and then after that, dude, like they're all the same <laughs> quality of player. Like it just doesn't matter. <laughs> so the actual first thing I want to ask you is about Josh Allen. Um, obviously, had a tough Monday night go of it. Had a little bit of an erratic performance in the playoffs, and and has turned the football over a lot, making him probably one of the more divisive quarterbacks in the league. I know that we're supposed to touch on kind of underrated storylines, but I'm just going with about as broad as it gets. Is is Josh Allen your QB two, and how have you graded his season out so far? Like, what is what have you been your general thoughts of, of this week and this last week? Yeah, he he's still the second best quarterback in the league to me because when you know when we were watching him last year, the first ten or so weeks, really up until he injured his elbow. He, he was pretty clearly the second best guy behind Mahomes, in my opinion, because he was still doing a lot of the fitting in crazy corner routes or, or doing stuff off script. He was still doing all that, but he had kind of learned to, to check the ball down, play within the rhythm of the offense, run quick game correctly. Like, And we even saw that in the first week last year. And I think he was building on that really until the, the elbow injury came in. And then it was like pretty clear he didn't want to throw quick game as much and was kind of went back to, to scatterbrain Josh Allen a little bit. But I, I kind of have faith that if what he showed over the last 10 weeks of last season, he can be that guy. Obviously, in the Monday night game, he was not that guy. He was insane Josh Allen again. He went dog brain mode. Uh, but I think we saw this week the yes. version of him uh, that we saw early last year where he's like, he's taking all the checkdowns. He, you know, they're playing in quick game really well. Like the thing that really impressed me this week against the Raiders was they were throwing a lot of like really wonky, weird cover two rotations at him and he was just so patient so calm wasn't forcing anything weird and was like all right if you're gonna you know rotate this way i'm just gonna throw into the hole i'm not gonna try to throw 40 yards down the field uh into deep coverage so i thought he just he looked normal which is that's all we need for him like like limit the the dog brain plays to like three or four a game and he had three or four a game where he's like throwing into tight coverage a little bit you just can't do it 12 times a game like he was against the jets doesn't work that way yeah, yeah. I thought that this was a good um, bring it back game, and it's an easy defense to do it against. But with Josh Allen, you just never know. He seemed pretty broken up. <laughs> I, my take on his press conference last week, I'm like, here's a guy who knows how to apologize because he was like, I'm, I'm a piece of shit, man. Like, <laughs> he, listen, he's between between high school, college, and, and his early years in the pros. He's had a lot of games right, like right. That. And I, he knows how to apologize. He for that definitely one. does. That was my takeaway. But he stuck with it for one week. He's like, it's the Raiders. It must have been so tempting for him to just go like ape shit against the secondary, but. 
he held it together. There was one play in the third quarter where he had a play action drop back and he took a beat and kind of hitched one for one beat and looked down the field and then he decided no and he got it down to the check down. I'm like, I'm not sure that would have that would have happened last week. And and yeah, I, I think the turnovers with him get a little overstated. I mean, there were some arm there was an arm punt last game that probably wouldn't have been too much different than just an incompletion when it went down on like the one yard line on third down. So like there's always some stuff with that with turnovers and the Bills offense last year was was second overall in, in EPA and he had a much worse supporting cast, I think, than a lot of the other quarterbacks around that top five, whether it be Burrow or, or Mahomes or whoever else was up there um, to, I think. So it was a good game to, to see from him. And I, I do think that he can hold it together. And we've seen good performances against good defenses from him before. So. I think this was like more what we should expect from. Him. I agree. Like he's still my QB two as well, and um, got back on track this week. I loved the blitz replaced when they sent. I think it was Spillane, and and he got to the blitz replace eventually yes. to get Davis. But it just it took him a beat long, but he got there. So it's like quick game was good, but also showed he's got the athleticism to make mistakes, and that's what makes it like so dangerous. Like even when he's like not thinking right. And then I, I was at the play. Did Ken Dorsey go nuts in the box after that? Did you see that? I don't. I don't. I didn't watch the broadcast, so I don't. I don't remember. <laughs> I think he did. I think after that play, it showed Ken Dorsey just like crashing tables and like screaming his head off, even though he, it was a he's, touchdown. Uh, he's been prone to do that. <laughs> he has been prone to do that. He has been prone to do that. And then I guess the other question I've got about the Bills, not just against the Raiders, but you know the the entire season because i assume we all watch the jets game back they have james cook who's contributing for them dalton kincaid is in the fold do you think that they have enough juice this year like do you feel better about the bills after two weeks worse about the rookies and their ability to like kind of make it over the top in the playoffs i i kind of do and like i don't think to me, the way I would frame it is that it's not that they have more juice now. Like, I think last year, I mean, you have Stephon Diggs. He's automatically kind of kind of give, yeah, yeah, give yeah. you something to that. Josh Allen by himself gives you some of that. And then Gabe Davis, for as inconsistent as he is, does give you some juice down the field. Problem is they just had, like, nobody who could be consistent um, and give them some of the easy gains. Like, it was really Josh Allen having to to play with perfect timing and perfect decision-making to allow them to do that in the early portions of last year. Now I think they've done a really good job of like feeding screens to James Cook and and obviously just hitting him out of the backfield with checkdowns and stuff. Um, the way that they've been able to get into different personnel now, you know, they've been the heaviest twelve personnel team in the league. Which I wasn't, I, you know, they obviously drafted Dalton Kincaid to do that, but I wasn't sure how they were going to actually make it work. But they've done a really good job, and they've they've done a good job of using Knox and Kincaid as like really solidifying what they've done over the middle of the field and giving Josh Allen some easier, bigger targets to hit. And I think that's kind of helped uh, the offense a little bit. So for me, it feels more like they just have a little bit more stability and like a couple of different options that they can lean on. Whereas last year, it was like, we're going to RPO a little bit. We're going to throw the ball to Stefan Diggs 20 times. And we're going to pray Josh Allen gives us some magic a little bit. But yeah, I, th yeah. I think now they've got a little bit, a little bit more stuff they can lean on, which is good. And how would you categorize Kincaid's role? Is it like big, slow, wide receiver? Or are they being a little bit more creative with it than like just throwing him in like he's, you know, Jimmy Graham from a couple of years ago? 
it's mostly uh you know a big slow wide receiver like he a lot of his snaps that he's gotten have been not on the line of scrimmage um they did have one play action not shot play to him but like they they ran him on kind of like a 15 yard over the ball route off of play action um so they did a little bit of stuff with him in line but like they still don't run behind him all that much when he's in line. And like they, like I said, they really like to get a lot of his snaps where he's the one split out. And if they're in 12 personnel, usually it's Knox who's the one who is still attached to the formation. So, But on the other hand, like it, it, it sucks a little bit that you're, you know, your quote-unquote slot receiver is like a big slow guy. But on the other hand, he still gives them so much more than they were getting out of the slot from anybody last year right that it's still like a net positive even if this is not necessarily like a perfect solution yeah and that's about the expectation i think like he was a first round pick but the role was always like man in this day and age in the shanahan system like with all the blocking tight ends like this is kind of out of vogue and like gasicki is out there to go get and that's kind of how I feel. I, I do feel like they have better options underneath, and that is super crucial. But I, I do worry a little bit about the general consistency of explosiveness, especially after the Jets game last week. Like, because after the Jets game, I would have told you, like, I don't know. Like, it kind of all looked the same to me. Like, kind of quiet. Gabe Davis, kind of quiet. Everybody else. But I thought James Cook had a really had a really nice game. I, I like even more than Kincaid. I thought that he was someone that they could lean on uh, in in that underneath area. So yeah, that is that is an important component. Um, as far as the Raiders' defense goes, like you said, they're all about the same. They're not super interesting. Two things I thought were key to keep an eye on were Nate Hobbs's role because I think that he had some potential his rookie year and then charted way more poorly his second season. He got back from injury and was kind of getting dunked on. And I, that was more outside. And I was curious to see how they use him this year, if, if that experience kind of failed or if they thought he could grow. So looking at for any juice in that, in that Raiders defensive room, like, do you think Nate Hobbs has provided any of that in these two games? He, he played I, I watched the, the film of this game. I didn't watch uh, the, the week one, but like he played a little yeah. bit of both. Um, inside and out against against the Bills and kind of like you're saying he looked a lot better when he's inside and I think a lot of that is that he's like a really he's like a really chippy player he's a guy who like if you've got to get him you know fitting in run game or he's the guy who's got to you know kind of punch through and and break up a like a quick screen or a wide receiver screen or something definitely he's really really effective at that whereas like he doesn't necessarily have some of the speed to hold up on the outside Um, you want to keep him inside keep him close to the action and let him use some of his quickness some of his smarts um some of his physicality to really get the most out of him when you're putting him on the outside you're just uh, putting him in foot races is not (laughs) really the way to 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 get him uh you know giving you winning football plays so hopefully they can find a solution where they just keep him inside more because yeah i think i think like we're saying like they don't really have many impact players and i think if they can keep him in the slot he can he can kind of be one and then the other guy who you would desperately hope could provide juice would be Tyree Wilson. But I think I saw some stat, some stat nerd out there say he had a 0% uh, pass rush win rate. Do you think that uh, matches up with the tape? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll tell you right now, I watched that whole film and I, I don't know if I remember a play of Tyree Wilson. Like, I know he was on the field. I know I saw number nine, but, like, I don't remember him him doing a whole lot. And, like, that was always kind of going to be the deal with, with Tyree Wilson is that, um, 
you know, he was kind of like a big physical project type who was going to kind of need to learn pass rush moves a little bit coming from a Texas tech defense. That's a little weird, like stuff like that. But I think it's, it's been even slower to the take than I think the Raiders were hoping or, or needed to. I thought early in the game, like watching specifically for him, he was getting snatch trapped a lot, like twice in a row it happened to him and he just kind of fell on his face and it's very predictable, right? Like he's going to long arm. That's really all he's got. And then after that, it, it felt like instead of trying to find some other way around, he just rushed with his hands kind of tight to his body and wasn't getting full extension. So that couldn't happen to him, but that's not an effective way to bull rush. And there were some plays where he had a chance and just wasn't a good finisher, like eyes got a little wide, I suppose. Another kind of... He had some really good shoestring tackles at Texas Tech, but sometimes like wasn't the greatest finisher, if I remember correctly. But, yeah, there there wasn't too much blitzing-wise either against this Bills offensive line. Like, it was kind of everybody drop back, like you say, cover two rotate, rotations, put a roof on everything. And I, I thought Josh did a really good job picking it apart, but a pretty easy a d- easy defense to pick apart. Yeah, for sure. And like like you said, they, they started blitzing towards the second half-ish, but, like, by then they were down 21 points. And, like, Josh, like I remember one play – I think it was maybe late third quarter, like they, they get a, a slot pressure free off the right side and Josh Allen just like quick breaks away from it, throws into the, he hits the check down in the flat and it's like, it, maybe if you had started pressuring him a little bit earlier in the game, he would have like went into to freak out mode. Right. When he's up 21 points and like you haven't been getting to him all day, it's not like he doesn't have that pressured internal clock where every time he sees something he's like oh shit that like that can build up over the course of a game if you're pressuring a guy early when you're waiting until he's up 21 points and he's, he's like his blood pressure is as low as possible he's just gonna he's gonna get out of those plays like no problem so do you think patrick graham has any juice as a coordinator i think it's just so tough like yeah. i watched that game and i didn't feel like the Raiders were really doing anything wrong schematically. It was just like, <laughs> yeah, these dudes can't play. Like <laughs> everybody outside of Max Crosby, really, just like these dudes just don't have it right now. Um, and, and maybe there's something to the idea of like, maybe he and the rest of the defensive coaching staff are not nailing down the finer points of the scheme correctly. So guys just aren't reacting the way that they need to. But I just watched like some of the angles that like Marcus Epps is taking in the red zone, like on that one insane touchdown that josh allen threw where he like um he he kind of gets pressured and he like holsters the ball and then he like quick makes this insane throw yeah uh, on a slant yeah. from the slot the angle marcus epps takes to that is just like mind-blowing and it's the only reason it's a touchdown is because he doesn't cut it off from where he's at and like that stuff just can't happen and like if you're if you're patrick graham like maybe you can do a better job of coaching him but like Marcus Epps has been in the league for a long time man he's played on a Super Bowl defense he knows better than than to take angles like that so I don't know I think they just don't really have the horses for any defensive coordinator to look very good I agree like who is number zero man like Jerry Tillery Jerry Tillery is getting I hate Jerry Tillery here's here's (laughs) my thing with the the number zero I think it's awesome. I think it looks great on guys like Roquan Smith. You should not be allowed to wear number zero if, like, we don't know who you are. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, we should, we need to, there needs to be some sort of, like, uh, I don't know, like, resume bar. Yeah, it needs to be, like, LSU's, like, number, what is it, yes, seven like or nine? Yes, like, the number seven. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it like used to be like the LSU seven, where you've got you got to earn this, man. I saw an insane number zero. Was it like is it Gunnar Olszewski number zero now? Is oh, that no what I way. saw? There's no, 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 no. He's not. He's not. I thought I saw some like just white guy in number zero, like some. I could be making that up. It's always defenders that I have to look up who who they are. Like there, uh, there are a couple around the league that I can't remember off the top of my head, but I know if I watch a random defense today. <laughs> I'll see a number zero and be like, I there's no way. <laughs> yes, yes. So, yeah, I guess we all knew that the Raiders' defense wasn't going to be so so good. I think, really, this Raiders' performance spoke to me very lowly of the Denver Broncos. That's like kind of what I kept going back to. Is like, dude, <laughs> how this is not good. And I know all the Denver stats. I saw, like, oh, they're they're at the top of the league and move in the chain rate or like their offense has actually been pretty efficient. It's like, I just can't buy into any of those numbers when I watch this Raiders game <laughs> and like think about what the Broncos game last week looked like. It's that's, that's another takeaway I had watching the bills offense versus the the Raiders defense was just, how do you score 16 points against these guys, man? <laughs> like, I know. And like, they only had six possessions. Like I know that, but like this Raiders, they just don't have any, like, what are you scared of? If you can chip Max Crosby, what are you scared of? But there's nothing to be scared of. No. You can just chip Max Crosby out of the game. You can even play the, the wrong. You counter. can play like whatever thing you need to improve. You can just play like Josh Allen. Okay, you need to take the checks now. This is sandbox mode. Like yes. you can just do. This is where you just get all the demons out. Is like against this defense, you can do the things you're not normally good at. You don't even have to play to your strengths or break out anything crazy. It's like this is a get right game, and. I get that it was week one, but man, like it's still a get right game week one. But anyway, this isn't a podcast about the the Broncos at, at this point, although I might bring them up a couple more times just because they played the Raiders last week and lost. Looking at the Raiders offense, the first thing that stands out to me is that Josh Jacobs had negative, <laughs> negative two yards. Uh, would you say that he had a fluke last year or like what are you, what are you concerned about when you see that and then look at the tape? I don't think he had a, a fluke last year. I think he's a really talented runner. I think the, the Raiders offensive line like way overperformed last year. And, and maybe that was because teams were a little bit more scared of like Derek Carr actually connecting with Devontae Adams down the field. So they were playing a lot more two high coverages. True. Yeah. Um, you know, Darren Waller was on the team at the time. I mean, obviously he was in and out of the lineup with health reasons, but like that was still part of the calculus with, with playing that team. So I think there was a little bit of that where like the offensive structure and identity was kind of allowing the offensive line to look better than it was you watch this game dude daquan jones and ed oliver are just taking turns sending their guards into the eighth ring of hell like that's the entire film is literally every run play you just look at like all right where's the run going okay defensive tackle that side is just killing the guy um and so like that that to me was the biggest issue like I don't even really have an issue with, with a lot of the run calls they had when they were running the ball, the the stuff they were trying to put together. It was just as simple as like the two dudes on the other team were just better. Like that's, that's all it is. It was hilarious. I know you didn't watch on the broadcast angle, but there was a stretch maybe at the end of the first half where it was a, sp- they handed it off multiple times in the row and it just got boom, 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 smacked all three times. It was hilarious watching from the broadcast angle because the crowd the first time went, Ooh, and then the second time it was a little bit louder. It was like, oh, and then like <laughs> it just was like because <laughs> a Bills home crowd, they didn't start booing or anything. It was just like a collective, like damn, like it did just. 
and it kept happening and happening and happening. And again, it made me concerned about the Broncos defensive line because like last week I thought I thought like the guards looked okay. And it's that's like, that's the bigger takeaway. Even to me, more than like the Broncos offense, maybe it's like, man, their defense is bad. Like, it's it, horrible. The whole operation is not good over there. Yeah. If you if you couldn't make this Raiders offensive line look nasty, you've got problems. Yeah. You've got big problems. So that was that was kind of the main thing I talked about. I, I think that Josh Jacobs and he's he's tough because he can't really like he doesn't have elite explosiveness to me so it's like he can't really make something out of nothing like maybe some smaller like backs can who with a little bit more like fleet of foot like he just he was getting hit and there's nothing the poor poor guy could do i I wanted to kind of go into it slandering him because he had negative two yards but you just i mean he was just getting smacked at the mesh point it was pretty bad and then in case the audience doesn't know, Derek does a bunch of quarterback charting, like for all the draft and reception perception. Now he's done, I think, all the quarterbacks in the league. So Garoppolo is out of Shanahan's structure now. What what does that look like to you? Like, what? How do you think that the he's back with Josh McDaniels? Like, how would you describe their offense in the macro and how Jimmy's job has changed? I think Jimmy's job has changed a little bit in the sense that they just Josh isn't Josh McDaniels in a general sense has the same like we want to be heavy personnel we want to run the ball we want to play action I mean technically Shanahan has kind of gotten a little way a bit away from the play action stuff but like we know that to be generally his philosophy and like Josh McDaniels kind of does that Mm -hmm. but it's not the same where they're throwing drift routes every time when they're running play action like that's just not how mcdaniels operates he wants to be a little bit more you know we're gonna have an x receiver and we're gonna throw him the ball yeah um and i actually do think they do a good job of, of, of like feeding Devonte adams getting Definitely. him one-on-ones on the outside um they ran a tunnel screen for a touchdown that i thought was like an awesome call on the first drive um so like i think they've got something to their offense the problem i think and, and you see it in this game is like this offense is built to play slow they're built to get ahead of you and they're built to like kind of choke you out of the game and let Garoppolo just hit a couple of like stay ahead of the chains. We're going to hold the ball. When you go down two, three touchdowns, this offense just isn't built to like throw themselves back in the game with a bunch of drop back passing because that's just not what Jimmy Garoppolo does. He's not a guy who wants to throw down the field and he's not a guy who wants to really throw into tight windows unless it's that like Shanahan drift route. You throw it as soon as your back foot hits. Like, they don't run that. So, like, you kind of take that part away, and, like, you're just left with a Jimmy Garoppolo who is pretty good at finding Devontae Adams and pretty good at finding checkdowns. And, like, other than that, that he just doesn't have a whole lot. So I think the Raiders might be able to win games in games where their defense doesn't completely capitulate, like like in week one. Right. But when they start to get behind, like, they're just not built to to, to come back. Yeah, I I agree. And and – with McDaniels, it's just I, I don't think there's a ton of juice outside of Devontae and the receiving core is like solid as the receiving core is. Like I like Jacoby Myers, I like Michael Mayer, I, I even like Hunter or I liked Hunter Renfro a couple of years ago. I, do you know what happened to him? Do you have any theories on like what the hell happened to Hunter Renfro? I haven't watched enough. I mean, I think it's just one of those things where when like you're the the little quick guy and you lose any degree of that quickness. It just doesn't hit the same yeah. and you see this a lot with like corners um where you get a guy like um i mean casey hayward is like a good example where his like whole game is like 
you know, he's small, but he's so he's so quick, he's so chippy. Josh when you Norman. Have a couple of, yes, like when you get a couple of knee injuries and that goes away a little bit, it, it just falls away very quickly because that's all that you have. So I think that's kind of all we all, all you're seeing with Hunter Renfro. That makes sense. That's the simplest answer, probably the correct one. I, yeah, you're right. That's exactly what it felt like. It felt like Garoppolo can hang on Javante for a long time, and that's like almost all two. Re- like I should say, all two. Like front side, back side. Instead of that, it's like Devante play one, Devante next move, and then check down. Like that's kind yes. of what it felt down. Like he was kind of the first and the second read. And Devante is so good that it's not the worst idea in the world so right like he's still if you gave every number one receiver in the nfl like just the most average quarterback i still think Devonte adams like might give you the most like, yeah he, he might, might be. do the most for your offense even more than justin jefferson it's just that like the degree between kirk right now and jimmy garoppolo is, is so large that you, you don't really get to see it all the time yeah yeah he's i think he's proving to be pretty quarterback proof He's pretty. He's proven to be pretty quarterback proof. Okay, why do you say that with with Devonte and Jefferson? Is it the outish like the second reaction ability? Do you think that that's kind of the separator? Um, to me, the separator is more just like I feel like I'm a little bit biased towards like if I have a guy who I can just line up at X and I know that he's going to be able to win one on one at the boundary. That feels a little bit more like what Devonte Adams' role is as opposed to Justin Jefferson. I think Justin Jefferson is. He's fantastic and he can do that, but he's a little more, bit more like you want to move him around the formation a little mm-hmm. bit and stuff like that. Um, you know, get him the ball with yards after catch stuff. Whereas like Devonte is like, I'll throw him out. We're gonna we're gonna go three by one. He's gonna be the one. We can run any route and he's gonna be open. And if he's not, he's gonna catch the ball anyway. So yeah. I, I just feel like he gives you a little bit more consistency. Yeah, yeah, and and as you saw it on that first play where. They there is a safety over top of them, but it's like just hit him back shoulder. He's three yeah, by one, just hit him back shoulder. And I don't know if I've shared the same take with any quarterback in the league, but yeah, he's he's quarterback proof and he's shown that. So you want Jefferson in the uh, the old Puka Nakua role, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, he's he'll be fine. Jacobs perhaps not so fine. The line perhaps not so fine. It's a it's a bad team. It's a it's a bad Raiders. <laughs> they're they're not going to win many games. So I guess that brings me to one question that maybe will come up maybe later in the year. How do you feel about Aiden O'Connell? Would there ever be a point where if they got bad enough, like after the preseason performance when he ripped a few throws with anticipation, showed a bit of accuracy down the field, you know, brought some juice to at least the preseason? Is there ever a point that you would turn to him as the starter and be hopeful, or do you think that it was kind of a mirage or an overrated performance? I mean, I thought he looked nice for for a guy who was like a day three pick, and you know, I think he was a little bit more put together than I thought he was coming out of college. I thought coming out of college he was a little bit of a scatterbrain. Like he had the NFL size and he would make mm-hmm. NFL throws, but the consistency just wasn't there at all. And I think we saw more of that in the preseason. Obviously, you don't know if that's going to carry over into real games, and that would be the question if he ends up playing. But I think the only reason they would end up throwing him in doesn't even really have anything to do with like where they're at for wins or losses. It would just be like, we need somebody who throws the ball down the field. Because like Jimmy just doesn't do that, and Jimmy has never done that. He didn't really do it in New England. He has never really did it in San Francisco, and he doesn't really do it here. Like you know, He'll throw that back shoulder to Devontae, like we mentioned, but 
he's not really ever going to be a guy who is like ripping a post if he thinks there you know there's a chance that it's there like he's no unless it's unless it's like a flea flicker and that's the only route <laughs> that he can throw he's just not going to do it and so Aiden O'Connell I think would have a little bit more uh a little bit more balls and like you know kind of throw some throw some of those routes and if that's what they feel like they need to see to just to see what the offense would look like with that kind of player maybe they would throw him in but I think if it's just a wins and losses thing I I I don't really think Josh McDaniels would go there I think he would just ride it out with his guy and and pray they can get to the end of the year and have their jobs and his other guy because I I think that Brian Hoyer is still number two on the depth that's true so we forgot about that (laughs) he's not even the number two so it's kind of a hypothetical question of like what circumstance would you do it (laughs) because I don't think McDaniel like he's he wants guys that play in New England with him man more than anything he's just trying to build the New England Patriots out in the out in the desert but Next, I want to talk about the the Bills' defense. Last unit to talk about, obviously, obviously the defensive tackles got after it. How do you how do you feel about the Bills' defense just overall? It's kind of an older unit um, with with Trey White and Poyer and Hyde. Does does that concern you at all? Not not all that much. Uh, the, the biggest concern to me is like I just I think they've gotten by by being a really smart unit and being a really sound unit. And I think you even still see it with a lot of those older guys. Like they're in the right place all the time. They take good angles to everything. They tackle really well. They just don't have juice outside of outside of Ed Oliver to me right now. Um, I mean, Daquan Jones in the run game gives you some of that. Um, but like in the back end, I just don't think in the secondary, they have that much juice. Like Trey White, I don't think is all the way back to being the superstar no. that he was at a certain point. And even though I think Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are like nice, solid, hold the defense together players, I don't necessarily feel like they have some of the, you know, stopping power that they used to have at a certain point. I so. especially feel like Poyer, I notice, has yeah. like lost. A, he's he's maybe not completely washed at this point, but like clearly not what he used to be. In space, he's not the same. No. I still think like when they roll him down and he's in the box he he's he's a shit man like he'll he'll hit somebody and like he'll make some tough plays in the box and he's always been able to do that and i do think that's part of why the bills formula works because like poyer will do that taron johnson is just the taron johnson is that dude is an asshole he's awesome dude yeah um and so i think like they do have a formula that works but again like i just don't think you have that much star power outside of like ed oliver can give you some in the passing game and then matt milano but again in the secondary i just don't I just don't know if they have star power. So yeah, it's not looking too good for for Elam. It seems like that would have been a nice thing to hit on outside of Tre'Davious White, but it's I don't know what the deal is. The, the only thing I can think there is like Sean McDermott. From what we've seen of him, basically ever since he took the job with the Bills, is like the the Bills defense has always been very sound, very well coached. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows exactly where they need to be. They don't have coverage bus. If they lose, it's because their player just isn't as good. Elam is like the opposite of that in the sense of he is unbelievably talented, but he just does some really stupid stuff. Like, like he'll just punch uh, in a way that he doesn't need to. Like he'll be too over aggressive, biting on stuff. Like he just does really numbskull type of stuff. And it almost seems like they didn't understand that when they drafted well, him. Well, I believe that he was the pick. When when there was that viral clip of the Chiefs trading ahead and taking Trent McDuffie, was that yeah? And then yeah, and then yeah, they yeah. were like, Kansas City took McDuffie, and they're like, 
right. throwing their clipboards and then they it's take like panic Elon. mode and they're like well we needed a corner <laughs> yeah yeah that's seriously like exactly what it feels like because mcduffie is totally that right like right mcduffie is the i know where i need to be i can hit i'm a smart player all this sort of stuff yeah and then they end up with Elon Elon is, the is not that and then yeah. it's like benford get out there like it that felt like a move that the chiefs or like outfoxed them there like mm-hmm. kind of in a big way and will go down as i think maybe an underrated moment in that rivalry in a, in a when we look at the power dynamic in the afc not that if you switched them it would be complete like completely different but I, I i do think that that was like chiefs got them again like type of thing 100%. which is 100%. unfortunate and then They've got Milano. How would you describe Milano? I just want, I like poetic descriptions of, of great players. Like, Milano is obviously great. Like, what kind of tier a linebacker when, and we're talking high, high tier here. Like, how would you fit Milano in when it comes to linebackers you've watched overall in the league today, but like maybe over the past decade or so that you've been watching football? I mean, I would say today there are probably only like three or four linebackers that I would take over over Milano. Like, I think, you know, I would probably take Roquan Smith. I would obviously take Fred Warner. Mm-hmm. I know I'm forgetting somebody, but, like, I really don't know if the list is any longer than that because Matt Milano, the, the thing to me that encapsulates all those guys um, and makes them so special is they're really, really special coverage players. Like, yeah. they just have this understanding of, it's like they have eyes in the back of their head on a string. Yeah, yeah. The yes. dig, the dig like, windows. Like there's, the, you've yes. got to throw it on a line, and they're just always in that vision cone. Like yes, as it's scanning, they just know where it's going. Like behind, like them. The, yeah. they're taking away throws even when they're not being targeted, which I think is the big thing because there there are some players you know you'll watch. Um, I mean, I guess this ha- this is just how it goes with linebackers, but like with a safety or something you'll see like okay he's driving all the ball on the ball all the time so you see the pass deflections you see when he's breaking up a pass with linebackers it's much more like oh the quarterback just doesn't want to throw here because he knows that this linebacker is in the way all the time and like Roquan has that Fred Warner has that and Matt Milano really has that the other thing with Matt Milano is like he has this sense of trigger against the run that is just like it's unbelievable I, I like there just aren't guys who get into the backfield the way that he does because like in terms of taking on blocks he's not the greatest um like he's just not a huge guy and like i don't think he has that much strength um like he, he has good technique and he's willing to do it he's just not like you know juan bentley who's gonna go kill somebody yeah uh, but so he makes up for that by being like okay well if i can't beat you at the spot i'm gonna beat you to the spot and i'm gonna get through the line of scrimmage and i think he's just developed this unbelievable sense for knowing what the offense is trying to do to him and not being afraid to like get out in front of it um, and take some risks and really get himself into the backfield like this was obviously like Luke Keekley was the god of this and I don't think I've ever seen anybody as good at that as Luke Keekley but like at that specific thing he's probably the best in the league at that right now Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah playmaker a little like Ivan Pace is also kind of in that that mold, mm-hmm. except even like even shrunken more, like right, even smaller. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> but good pass rusher too. Milano swiping hands away, like mm-hmm. you get him one on one with a back, and it's just like get your popcorn because <laughs> he's gonna do something <laughs> extremely mean. Um, it's I think both these teams kind of are who they who we thought they were. I guess is kind of my 
takeaway from this game. Like, I'm not too concerned about the Bills. I'm not too optimistic about the Raiders. Like, they're not the scrappy team that could fight into the playoffs. Like, they just suck. <laughs> and the Bills yeah. are ran into a really good Jets defense. And I think Josh Allen, you know, he's always going to have a little bit of fuck it in him. Like, he doesn't really care what the coaches say, clearly. And he was trying to go into MetLife and carve up a Jets defense and be a superhero and it just backfired miserably in his face and this week he was a little more normal and I I think it all kind of makes sense there's no real surprises with either of these teams so to listen to a whole podcast about it listeners I salute you (laughs) (laughs) but I think that there's ways to make it interesting but taking a look ahead we've got Thursday night football we have got San Francisco versus New York and San Francisco, let's let's talk about them a little bit. It's year two of Brock Purdy. You say that Shanahan has gotten a little bit away from his play action type stuff. What is, what is Purdy? Why why was Purdy the the right way to go to you? Like what what has he unlocked that maybe Garoppolo and Trey Lance weren't able to? Or Donald, I guess. If anything. I think- I think the thing is that he actually combines like the two best ideas between what Trey Lance was supposed to give the offense and what Jimmy Garoppolo did give the offense. Like we saw proof of it with Jimmy, but the thing with Jimmy and you need to me, you need this. If you're, if you operate in the Shanahan or McVay type offense is like, you've got to have balls to just throw it over the middle of the field, like hell or high water. You've got to trust that the play is going to... Especially af- after play action when you've turned the yes. your back to the defense. Like, you, you don't see what's going on. It's a completely different right. look. And you're just... I mean, you're just... That's why Shanahan is kind of playing quarterback. Because it's like, the read quarterback doesn't fucking know. But, yeah, anyway. Exactly. Like, you have to trust that it's there. And you've got to just have the timing of it. And you've got to understand where that ball needs to be. And you've got to be able to drive the ball. Purdy has all that. Like he'll st- he'll stare down the the barrel of the gun. He'll make a tough throw when he's getting hit, and he has enough arm strength that he can drive it in there. So I think he gives you that, which is what Jimmy did best in this offense. The problem is Jimmy didn't have any of the outside of the pocket creation stuff, and that was what they brought Lance in to do. And even in limited action, like you saw that from Lance, like he did have plays where he could get outside the pocket and give you some of that. He just had none of the like in structure, throw it on time, trust that it's going to be there stuff. So I think Purdy gives them what made the offense so efficient with Jimmy Garoppolo and then gives them that extra bit of magic where he can do a little bit outside of the pocket. He can create a little bit like he he, he sometimes plays like he's got a little bit too much dip on his chips. But when you have like four all pros right. who are your skill players, it like, yeah, man, fuck it. Trust them. Let them go make a play. These guys are the best at what they do in the league. So. Um, I think it would be nice if Purdy was a better deep ball thrower. Like, I, I still he's, think he's not very he's good not at very that. Good at but... it. And it was apparent in the last game. And it was apparent yeah. versus the Seahawks, even though he put so many yards on the on the board, that, that playoff game in the wild card. To like, it was very clear that that's the weakness. But pepper the 10 to 15. There's going to be explosives, like, if you pepper yes. the 10 to 15-yard area. So it almost doesn't matter. And to me, the, the 49ers are pretty clearly the best team in the NFC right now. Like, the Eagles have not looked as good as the 49ers have at all to me like not even in the same tier it's not 1a 1b right now to me it's like 49ers one maybe the eagles can still be two because they still got all this talent and and jalen carter looks like a hit and they look fine but to like would you disagree with that assessment do you think oh the dallas cowboys though i always forget (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty cow. I'm pretty Cowboys pill. That's fine. I'm a yeah, huge Dak guy. Um, but with the Eagles, I, th- I think I mostly agree with you. Like, I think the defense will probably be fine because they they have enough talent. I don't really love the spine, like the middle of their defense, yeah. but they'll probably be okay because the the front is just so crazy and the corners are good. Um, offensively, they have enough talent to where this is gonna work. But I think you can already very clearly tell, like from a play calling's perspective, they don't have it right now. Like last year, their their play calling was immaculate with with Shane Steichen. He just did such a good job of. Depending on the game, it, it would just be you know either we understand that we have this insane strength over you, or your defense is just so bad at this thing that we can run this particular play or this idea of concepts and spam it like you know like against the cardinals they ran a bunch of rpos and screens a billion times because the cardinals couldn't tackle and they were like okay that's all we have to do in week one last year they just threw a bunch of go balls on the lions because they don't have corners yeah (laughs) so like they just did such a good job of finding the button to smash i think this year they've really struggled with like getting into that rhythm which i think is natural when you have like a first year brian johnson hasn't called plays at the nfl level and he hasn't done it at all in like seven years so I think it's going to take him some time. And so until then, I, yeah, I'm not putting them in this year with the Niners. Yeah, and the Niners, I don't know how much you've watched them this this season, but they've got a new defensive coordinator. D'Amico Ryans is gone. We talked, if you want to hear more about D'Amico Ryans, listen to the last episode with Ollie about the Texans versus Ravens game. Um, D'Amico is doing different stuff than what he was doing in, in San Francisco, but is San Francisco doing different stuff than what they were doing with D'Amico? I think I said that right. Uh, they've got Steve Wilkes now. Has anything changed? <laughs> um, I, I think it's it's actually almost a little bit like the the Eagles offense thing, where like the 49ers are doing a lot of the same kinds of things. Like it's the same playbook for the most part. It's a lot of the same ideas. It just does. It's just not as good. And and I think what you see um, to me, I think the biggest issue is that I think on the back end, some of what they're doing is a little bit more static. Um, like I think last year with D'Amico Ryans, or the last couple of years, they just did a really good job of kind of changing up their rotations and always somehow knowing where the offense wanted to go with the ball and always ending up rotating to that side. Like they just made, it just seemed like they were always able to get numbers with the way they were rotating. And I think that really helped players like Talanoa Hufanga. Yes. Um, so I think they, they, they have struggled to do that as much this year. I think also they just haven't been pressuring the same. I think specifically from like five and six man pressures because like, you know, they didn't need to all the time last year because they just had an insane four man rush and they still kind of do. Um, but on third downs and stuff like D'Amico was still really, really good at cooking up some crazy pressures and getting home with five and six guys. They just haven't been able to find a recipe for doing that this year. Like I think I looked it up on SAS and like, on five and six man rushes they're like 24th in the league or something in pressure rate and like that's just not going to cut it relative to to what they were getting away with last year so i I think they need to to just kind of find a little bit what works like they're pressing some of the same buttons it just doesn't they're not pressing them in the right order if that makes sense that does make sense yeah that that does make sense yeah, D'Amico, and I think when you look at the pressure paths that he was cooking up for, like, Will Anderson so far and, like, how good that oh he's God. been. I mean, you can oh, tell dude. that, like, he is super, super special at designing great pass rushes. Like, he just yes. he just knows how to be ruthless with it. He knows, like, who to send to where and what weaknesses to exploit. It's it's almost Jim Schwartz-esque. Like, mm-hmm. he's, he's, I think, the prime example of... There's a really great clinic. Maybe I'll link it in here about Jim Schwartz pressure paths and... Yeah, D'Amico Ryans has the same talent. I'm sure that he accures the same data and just goes after the weakness over and over and over and over again. And 
yeah, missing a little bit of that because they've got the talent and it's it's got to be all coordinator at this point because you got you went from what's his name Kinlaw to to Javon Hargrave like there is just absolutely no right. reason yeah. and, and Har- Hargrave's making some plays man like yeah I mean he's still one of the best defensive tackles in the league so like they've got the dudes for sure and they played who they played the Rams offensive line and the <laughs> Steelers so it's like can't be can't be right. too 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 hard but they're playing the. They have another chance to get right against the the Giants' offensive line, which is uh, quite bad. But the Giants found a little something towards the end of the Cardinals game and ended up winning that. You got Dable versus Wilkes here. You got this offense versus the San Francisco defense. Do you think that the Giants have any chance to put points on the board and expect a different result from when they got destroyed versus Dallas two weeks ago now? I don't think (laughs) because like even for what I just said about like you know the Niners aren't pressuring as well as they have uh in the past anybody can get home against this offensive line man like I think Andrew Thomas is an awesome left tackle he's great I think the other the other four players not so good no like they're gonna get they're gonna get hammered um like Evan Neal is just too slow and, and really their interior is just not very good and that's gonna be a problem when you have a guy as explosive as Javon Hargrave so I really think like the Giants' only hope in this game is just praying you can hit a couple of deep shots down the field uh, on the Niners because I think their corners outside of uh, Ward are not very good. Like They're a little bit inconsistent. I think you can get them, especially down the field. And Daniel Jones is willing to rip that. It's just like how many opportunities is he even going to get to stand in the pocket for three seconds before he gets his head taken off by uh, Drake Jackson or Nick Bosa or, or whoever. So You say uh, that he's willing to rip that. Like, How would you grade his aggressiveness? There were so few deep shots for the Giants last year. They brought in Hyatt. You saw a little bit of it. I mean, they came out of the first half and I thought Daniel Jones missed a couple opportunities down the field and then they come out run that Yankee concepts versus quarters. Jones looks at the, at the crosser, rips it to Hyatt. Like, do you think that he is naturally aggressive or do you think like Dable kind of has to tell him to be, if that makes sense? I think it's actually kind of the opposite where like when, when Daniel Jones came into the league, he would throw anything, bro. He like, he had Jameis disease. Like he was like anything that looked halfway open. He was like, I'll throw it. If it's 20, if it's 20 yards down the field. Yeah. I'll, I'll try to be a hero. And I think over time, they've had to kind of work that out of him. And I think you saw that especially last year, which was not even just the how do we fix Daniel Jones problem from from Dable's perspective, which I think part of it was like you had to get him to to stop doing some of that stupid stuff. But it was also like they just didn't have very good receivers to win any more than like eight yards down the field right. like they, they built a whole uh they built the whole thing out of like slot receivers like richie james like caught like a, a, a bunch did. of targets which is like that's just not if that's one of your leading receivers you're probably not going down the field very often and like darius slayton's cool uh isaiah hodgins is cool but like how many times do you really want to feed them the ball down the field and so i think now that they have hyatt and have darren waller I think it's going to take them time to find an identity in terms of being able to push, you know, recalibrate Jones to push down the field. But I think after a few more weeks, like I said, it's not going to happen this week. But after a few more weeks, I think they're probably going to be able to find a way to balance what Daniel Jones wants to be when he came into the league and some of the stuff that they had to do last year to kind of limit him. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's a good a good way to look at it that it's kind of tearing it down to build it back up 
yeah a complete 100%. yeah a complete tear down and now trying to build that back up that that makes sense with with what Dable. <laughs> I think all the problems with Jones, like the fumbles, the turnovers, you know, the receivers that he had, like yeah, just get the ball out quick because there was definitely some very strict guidelines in place for him with with Dable. But I agree, Evan Neal. It's been really rough. I I don't know how much excited I can. I know that he was on the Feldman's freak list, but you're right, just. He had a couple – I'm kicking myself because he had balance issues coming out of Alabama. Like push-pull could really get him. You could really catch him leaning and like get him to fall flat on his face. But like playing with Mac Jones, ball out, ball out, ball out, ball out, or Bryce Young, like ball out, ball out, ball out. Like nothing ever really looked like it affected the overall play at the end of the day. And with Daniel Jones, it just is not. <laughs> it's not like right. it's not like that at all. And I, I'm kicking myself for not like seeing that coming because it it really is bad. And I just don't know if it's fixable. Like balance, like what's he gonna do? Stand on a a tall log vertically, <laughs> right. like he's a kung fu guy. Like I, I think it might be over. And, and I think too, like his he just plays a little bit like he's got cinder blocks at, at the bottom of his feet, and like he could maybe lose weight and that helps a little bit, but like he probably is just going to move at this pace forever. Like it's just, it's, that's who he's always been. Yeah. So I think at a certain point, like you, you kind of just have to accept that that's what he is. Do you think he could be um, a guard? Maybe he could... I mean, at a certain point, they're probably going to have to try it, right? Like they're yeah. going to have to do the Eric, the Eric flowers treatment where you, where you kick him inside from tackle because it just didn't work out because he was too slow. And honestly, Eric flowers turned out to be no, a he did. guard for a little bit there. Um, and so maybe maybe uh, Neil could do the same, um, but yeah, we'll we'll see. I'd do it. I mean, not now because it's so early, right. but like I I would do it eventually. He's he's a power like he can create torque. He's a big dude. Like he was picked that high for a reason. But yeah, like he was not as athletic as the testing numbers in the offseason videos made it out to be, and it's just painfully painfully parent, painfully apparent apparent. But I, I think he could. I think if you're a Giants fan and you're looking for hope on Evan Neal, I, like, I think it's a move to guard. I think it's a good move to guard. Yeah. And I, I think he can do it. He's not like, you know, Anton Harrison who could never do it. Like, he's not someone – he right. can create a lot of power. He's got the beef to do it if he needs to. Mm-hmm. And then the last unit is is Giants defense versus San Francisco offense. Wink Martindale, I, I don't think he's had the strongest beginning to the season here and the front four has really been invisible, especially Kayvon Thibodeau. Do you think he's regressed? Do you think he's been figured out, just didn't grow enough? Like, so far, what are your thoughts on on his career? I think he is not... How do I frame this? I think when he came out of Oregon, I thought he was, like, pretty explosive, pretty bendy, kind of strong for a guy his size yeah and i thought all of that combined was going to turn into a good player and then you get to the nfl and like all of that is like right under the threshold for what would make it like a calling card trait like he can kind of bend but it's not going to be like von miller or, no. or some of these other top guys and like he can kind of flash strength sometimes but it's not going to be like a max crosby or something like that and like he isn't really there technically to where he can just kind of make up for it with um, just like really good pass rush moves, knowing how to counter inside, timing up stuff really well. So like he's kind of just in this spot where he just doesn't really have a calling card right now. And I still think he's so young. 
um and, and so inexperienced um as a pro that like he could figure this out at a certain point because i still think he, he does have traits that you can work with but it's been a much worse start um at least as a pass rusher to this season than i was hoping i actually think as a run defender he's looked a little bit better and a little bit cleaner but as a pass rusher it's just not it's just not there right now yeah yeah i and i liked him last year i thought he was a good like a b rookie and with the moves, I thought he was at least winning the outside shoulder and just kind of pulling himself through with the rip, like using his hands a little bit. He wasn't quite, you know, Trayvon Walker or Tyree Wilson-esque where there's just like kind of nothing there in terms of like hands at all or moves at all. It's just collapse the pocket. Maybe you can twist him out of the way and disengage, like maybe. Like that's kind of how I feel about those two right now. Maybe they can win around the edge, especially Ty- uh, Walker. But there was a little bit more of that with with – with Thibodeau and I thought that he had, you know, statistically or efficiency wise, he was on pace with the other rookies from the class, but it seems like Aiden Hutchinson has kind of passed him up. Although I don't, I mean, I know that you're not the world's biggest Aiden Hutchinson fan. He, he's still overrated, but like he, he's a better, the thing with Aiden Hutchinson is like, I'm still not sure he has a calling card either. either yes. But, yes. but, but I think he's a much I think he's like a much more aware player. And I think he he like understands that like when a rep is lost for whatever his initial move was, he's pretty good about like understanding like how do I still find a way to get back to the quarterback? How do I still affect the play? How do I get hands up if I need to? Like Dibido doesn't really do any of that. Like if Dibido loses on his initial rush, like it's just over. Like he just runs himself out of a play mm-hmm. and that's that. And so like Hutchinson at least has some like degree of like second part of the play to him whereas i just don't think that that's there with dibidor right now and and to his credit hutchinson is like much stronger so he at least has a little bit of that where he can win with some of that yeah yeah i i do think that he that they're more similar than they like initially appear like next to each Mm -hmm. other i i think that that's always been true i just think that yeah hutchinson is a little bit more of an amped up version of it right now although certainly not perfect i i agree with hutchinson i don't think that he's got crazy juice around the edge or or even like with his bull rush i think he can create push but i think like his arms being short is legitimately a problem because it is difficult Mm -hmm. for him to disengage once he is in someone's frame like they just kind of latch onto his shoulder pads and like oh it's time to get the sack and it can't really happen um but all those same problems are true with with Kayvon thibodeau and i don't know i don't know if the front four will be quite as dominant as i i thought for for new york and then the secondary, I like Deontay Banks a decent amount. I thought he's had he hasn't gotten torched too. Maybe he has. Has he gotten torched I think yet? He's been, I think he's been okay. Yeah, I think I so think too. The secondary at large is still. I mean, it's a very the thing the I think the problem that they have is Wink Martindale's idea of defense is always going to be really, really boom or bust unless you have a special pass rush that is like going to win all the one on ones that he's he's giving them, which is not the case. Or you have an unbelievable secondary like he had at certain points in Baltimore, which the Giants have some nice players, but that's not the case. Like they just don't have like, you know, pro bowlers across the board like we had, you know, when when the Ravens had um, like really good safety play and Marcus Peters was playing well. Marlon Humphrey was playing well. Like when they had dudes that you could trust to win one on one. That's the thing is like it's a very everybody is playing one on one all the time type of defense. And the Giants just, like, don't have enough dudes who, who win. Like, you got to win more of those one-on-ones than you're losing. 
the Giants just aren't really there from a talent perspective right now. Yeah, it's it's really the Thibodeau Thibodeau not working out would be kind of a disaster. Yeah. It would be a complete disaster, really. Versus the San Francisco offensive line, do you think that there's any meat on the bone there to, to kind of get right and maybe have a more a better pressure day outside of Trent Williams? It looks weaker on paper. Like, do you think they'll slow him down or do you think it's kind of same deal as the offense? Like, there's just no chance. I think on the interior, you might have a shot. Um, and I think against Purdy specifically, that could be useful because for for as, as tough as I think he is and as willing to stare down the barrel of the gun as he is, he's on the shorter side for a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And like if you pressure him on the interior and he is trying to make the throw instead of bailing, like it can be harder to get your arm up and over and really drive on a ball. And so I think maybe they can they can get to him that way. And I think in the run game, they might have to do a little bit more like getting to the perimeter, really using all their motion to like stretch the defense out a little bit because I don't think you're going to be able to just bully this interior. I think they're, they're too good. Um, but I just don't think outside of the interior that the Giants defense wins like any of these matchups. And I think Kyle's going to be able to cook it up pretty good. And they're, they're going to score like 35 points pretty easy. I think I, I think the defense, if Ayuk is questionable, I think that the defense can get pressure on Purdy up the middle and can kind of rattle them. And maybe there's like an erratic Purdy primetime game that I think that they still bail out of because there are going to be the crossing routes. Debo is going to torch the secondary. Like they can, like they obviously have McCaffrey and like what linebacker or safety do they have to match up with him? I, I think there's still plenty of juice. I think there are going to be drives that get killed by Dexter Lawrence. And I'll yeah. say maybe under hits and it's kind of an ugly 21 to 10 i'll say 24 to 10 san 24 to 13 that's what i'll say uh san francisco san francisco victory (laughs) any any like type of game predictions i mean i could see something like that i i still think i kind of am gonna i would i would think that san francisco probably scores a little bit more than that because i do think you're right that like there's gonna be a couple of drives where dexter lawrence just that throws a grenade <laughs> um, and, 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 you know, makes Purdy's day pretty hard. But I think for the most part, from just a schematic advantage, from a, a player talent advantage, like the Niners are just way, way too good. And I mean, technically that was true last week against against the Rams and they struggled. But the difference there to me is like McVay and Shanahan have seen each other for four or five years now, man. Like they, they just got each other's numbers a little bit and they know a little bit what makes each of each of their systems tick. And so I think you can get those games where even though the Rams defense is not all that talented, like they've just seen what Kyle does enough that they can kind of, kind of mess with him. I don't think that's going to be the case with Martindale because it doesn't matter how many times Martindale sees Kyle, he's going to run the same <laughs> shit no matter what. And he doesn't have the guys for it. Yeah. So I, I still think the Niners could, could put up a little more than that. All right. Well, that's exactly an hour. That's exactly my my aiming point. That is two times in a row now. It's ended at exactly this point. So I'm happy with that. Derek, thank you so much for coming on and breaking down questionable football games with me. I remember I was listening to the Athletic Football Show and you requested to do AFC South last year and said, I like to roll around in the muck. So that is what... That's That's what this show is about. That's what this show is. that, That almost is like the entire sparked maybe the entire like premise of this of this show so 
yeah, thank you for coming on. Uh, love your work. Where can any show, socials to plug things to things to say? Yeah, I mean, first of all, thanks for having me. This is a really fun show. I love the idea of, you know, like you said, trying to get smart people on to talk about dumb football. That's 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 what this stuff is about, man. So I, I really enjoyed it. Um, you guys can find me on Twitter at uh, QB class. That's QB class with a K. Um, I do NFL draft stuff for Bleacher Report, and then I do NFL stuff for both the 33rd team and then, like Theo mentioned earlier, um, quarterback charting for reception perception. Mm-hmm. And the Football Outsiders articles, too. I got to plug that. Or not Football Outsiders anymore, because Football Outsiders right. got it, it, it was Football nuked. Outsiders, but I, I did work on the FTN the Almanac. The FTN Almanac, did, yes, which is always... Yeah. I did the Ravens chapter and was very high on them, so I feel good about that. <laughs> they look. It couldn't have gone better for them. I mean, not only because they look good, but also because the rest of their division just is basically worst-case scenario bottoming out. So, yep. Yeah, they'll be nice and awesome to watch. So anyway, thank you, Derek.